0: If you're not pissing someone off, you're probably not disrupting.
1: You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology
2: podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Alomes. Uh, Delighted to be joining you once again. And for this week's episode, we're off to the land of long white cloud, New Zealand. So we're chatting with Kaylee Wilson, uh, co-founder of Blinder, which is an interesting company that's working with uh, using technology to connect athletes directly to their fans, media and sponsors. So Kaylee's got a really interesting story that he shares a little bit about has his transition from a high paying job, secure job in, in athlete communications and then actually seeing a need in the industry, throwing it all in and and starting a sports tech startup. We'll also chat about how the product has, has really grown and, and and really also how technology is enabling the engagement with fans, with direct access to athletes like never before. If you have any uh, feedback from the show, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can contact me directly at thomas at sportstechfeed.com. Uh, also go on sportstechfeed.com for show notes and check out previous shows. Last week we had a great chat with Davian Ross, co-founder and president of Shot Tracker, all around basketball analytics, and some of our previous guests include Dr. Georgie Bruinville's uh, from Orico talking about blood biomarkers, Michael Cole, CTO of European Tour, and Tom Nugent from Platypus talking about neuroscience and brain plasticity. Anyway, here's Kaylee. Please enjoy the chat. As I said, uh, let us know any feedback, and we look forward to seeing you uh, next week as well.
1: So, welcome to Sports Tech Feed, Kaylee. Uh, great to have you with us. Where are you calling in from, and more importantly, how are you how are you calling in?
0: Mate, I am in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, sitting down near the viaduct, uh, near the water, where the America's Cup will be defended by the Emirates Team New Zealand in the not-too-distant future. And uh, we're speaking over, well, it's a Blinder video call.
1: There you go. So tell me a little bit about uh, a Blinder. So a- as a product, I mean... There's probably a lot in there. It is is kind of, I uh, wouldn't say your life's work, but it, it is your life at the moment as, as co-founder and and leader in the business. Um, where what is it at its most basic, and and then where did the idea come from?
0: Yeah, at its most basic, I suppose it's a. Uh... Uh, a communications platform for uh, that, that high performance teams use to connect their their talent with the media with fans with sponsors uh, through the ease of of the talents personal mobile uh, phones or or devices uh, used by Olympic champions the Grammy winners we do just about as much work in, in music as we do in sport uh, and what's a bit distinct about blinder is it allows two parties to connect but without any personal contact details being exchanged between them so
1: yeah so uh, so in the sense of um it's different to just chucking someone on skype or you know because there's in terms of tools that we could use for this call for instance um you know skype google hangouts zoom whatever or, or even just a phone call like just facetiming or something like that um why is it why is it different to that and why does it need to be different to that
0: is there's a, there's a- couple of bits going on um initial offering a blinder was an audio solution which allowed uh in in very simple speak someone to ring someone without having their number so uh the the key element there of what we were doing was um allowing people to be easily accessible while still having their privacy respected and then we dropped in another element which was to capture the content from that so the audio of the conversation could be recorded by the uh, the team or whoever, whoever had arranged that call the conversation you and I are having right now is happening in blinder video, which is uh, a recent addition to our uh, our technology stack and As you'll be aware Thomas you joined that call uh, just by clicking a link um, You don't have any special software on on your machine uh, and I'll,
1: I'll also add I don't have any special skills. So it was uh, <laughs> no, no, we've, we've made Fantastic. Yeah <laughs> but even, even Australians can use it. That should be the byline. Sorry, for anyone anyone listening that doesn't understand the role between Aussies and Kiwis, it's it's there, but it's uh, it's friendly at least. I think um, you know. As soon as you add in like a third element, it's it's Aussies versus Kiwis. But then if you add in, say, someone from England, it's like we all gang up on them, um, or someone from the US, so Yanks and Poms and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure there's going to be more of that.
0: We're allowed to throw stones at each other, aren't we? But yes, it's yep. it, it's we built a product. One of the beauties of living in New Zealand is having that vast pool of Australians to test your technology on, and make well, it really is foolproof. And uh,
1: you got and, prison and, island that you can just you can <laughs> see how it's going.
0: Uh, but yeah, as you're saying, it's uh, it's you didn't need any software to join it. Uh, I mean, you just had to click a link and. Uh, uh, you didn't need to log into anything. Uh, we didn't need to exchange usernames or, uh, and I'd say one thing we've, we've taken, we working at the top end of sport and entertainment with our audio product uh, was great conditioning for working out what we needed to do to create a really simple uh, video system. So uh, the big benefits of of Blinder or the major benefit with video is just the ease of getting parties started on a call. So... Yeah, as I said, no, no special software, um, no usernames, no no passwords.
1: Well, and... I liked as well that I got a text. That was um something I didn't I didn't realise. Like obviously the the email link, the calendar link, that you just click on, but actually getting a text was good. And it's six something a.m. here, so it was uh, it was nice being bleary eyed and getting a little little reminder to um to come along. So that was uh I thought that was a good feature.
0: Yeah, we found the text are just the. Uh... Again, going for that foolproof—you um, know what is the most reliable method of getting uh, giving people a nudge along or, or a reminder, uh, and it's in a text message is still that. So
1: uh, the is... So, well, uh, sorry, I mean, in terms of the ease, well, like I said, it was a great user experience. But but what's the need? Like again, it's easy to use, but I mean, Google Hangouts is easy to use. Like, why is the and and so is. Um, so I want to talk to an athlete, especially in sports. Like, it's just easy to uh, grab their number or something like that. Like, what's the what's the need? I guess.
0: Yeah, well, the the initial need, um, Thomas, for for me was, um, and to, to um, address back to an earlier question, I was the uh, communications manager of New Zealand Rugby League, uh, working with a lot of our highest profile athletes, uh, including. Um, maybe not even arguably, but maybe arguably the, the highest profile rugby athlete in the world, Sonny Bill Williams. And I also did a lot of work with our uh, leading female athletes um, with the, the Mystics netball team. And some of those uh, ladies have gone on to win uh, the netball world cup this year. Um, one of them went on to marry Israel Folau, which you know, put her in, into a um, you know, pretty challenging uh, set of situations over the last little while. And some of them were teenage girls as well. And for me, whether you were uh, Sonny Bill Williams or or Maria Falau or uh, an 18-year-old kid just out of school who'd come into the netball team, I personally didn't think it was uh, correct to be handing out the personal contact details of the athletes.
1: And and so was that, you know, say I'm a journalist and I come up and say I want to interview Sonny Bill Williams, rugby superstar. Is he just signed with the Toronto Wolfpack? Wolfpack uh, is yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I know interesting they're doing things in like CPD oil and stuff. Anyway, interesting team in its own right and some of the stuff they're yeah. doing kind of um tech and innovations and stuff, but um say I'm I'm a Canadian journalist or or whoever and I say all right, Sunny Bills signed with the Wolfpack. I'd love to I'd love to interview him. He's coming in. What would be the process for that? How do so, I how um, do I how do I talk to to Sunny Bill?
0: So the journalist, uh, if if we were working with the Wolfpack, and if there's someone f- uh, listening from the Wolfpack, let's make that happen shortly. But uh, if if we were working with the Wolfpack, uh, the media would get in touch with the communications manager of the Wolfpack and say, hey, I'd love to do a story on Sonny Bill. I think they'd probably have to have a fairly convincing pitch because quite a few people uh, would like to talk to Sonny Bill. But here's this. You know, fascinating and, and brilliant angle I've come up with, and this is uh, why I'd like to talk with him. Communications manager would, would generally uh, make their own call on whether that sounds a good idea or not, and then if, if they did think it was a good idea, they would go and have a chat with Sonny and say, hey, Sonny, here's this idea, you know, are you up for it? Um, using our technology, they would then jump on their Blinder dashboard and they would say, hey, it's Sonny Bill Williams, and, and being the club, they would have Sonny's contact details and they would have the contact details of the journalist, they would punch that in, uh, they would decide whether they wanted to record the call, they would decide whether it was going to happen in audio or video, they would uh, set some time parameters around it, add some briefing notes, um, time zones would be calibrated, because we found out that was something that people regularly got wrong, uh, just, just through uh, daylight savings being one of the, the many um, complications in, in that space. And then they would hit uh, schedule the call, and it would send details to Sunny, and it would send details uh, to the journalist by text and email. Uh, and at the agreed time and the agreed time only, uh, the journalist would be able to dial just straight through to Sunny's personal device.
1: So is that, um, and how was that previously done, or how is that done in a lot of times in the market? So that's that's kind of your process end to end. What's the what's yeah. the kind of status quo?
0: Status quo in sport when I came into it was do all the calls through the communications manager's phone. So if you want to speak with one of the athletes, you can... Only that literally to...
1: hand, like hand them, here's Sonny Bill, here's my yeah. Phone.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll stand next to you for 25 minutes while you have a conversation. I'm the communications manager of a, of a team. We may have three calls to do in a row. This might take me an hour, an hour and a half, and I will yeah. hand my phone to you, wait around, get my phone back, hand it to the next person uh and and that is a very very prevalent um method of how athletes are made accessible uh and another one is to give out their personal contact details and yeah uh, and i've been fortunate enough i suppose to be exposed to a lot of the horror stories of that oh but yeah if, i mean say Sonny as an example if Sonny's saying hey i'm happy to do a 15 minute interview that's a lot different than, hey, I'm happy for uh, this person and potentially their entire organisation to have my personal contact details. Yes, and, rings and, all, and
1: like, all their all their mates at the pub who will then say, hey, look, I've got Bills number. You know, yeah. it's a bit of a, I definitely know or have met people who, you know, in media who will say, oh, yeah, yeah look at my Rolodex. Like, these are all the numbers I've got. And it could have yeah. been, like you said, from a... From a five, ten, fifteen-minute presser that they've just given, um, but that's that person's personal details, which, in terms of privacy, is is such a breach.
0: Well, it's it's been really interesting talking with a number of the players' associations, as we have with the you know with the journey we've been on, who have saying that I think this is actually in breach of contract. Mm. Uh, the, like the bargaining agreement is saying that we guarantee the athletes uh, a right to privacy, and then we. Give out their personal contact details for a 10-minute phone conversation so there's a bit of an issue there and you know I'm sure your listeners will be well aware that the whole um, mental health and other other well-being aspects of athletes uh, is right in the spotlight at the moment and for me anyway um, I I just don't think it's my choice to decide who I give Mm. your details to so Starting starting point for what we're doing was very much around that. And uh, I, I was I wanted to use something else. I, I, I don't come from a serial entrepreneurial background and what's this next thing. I, I was a communications manager, didn't think it was right to give out numbers. Uh, so I was doing everything through my own phone, standing around handing things over. I, I regularly wasn't with, with the athletes. I was working with a national team. they only came together every now and then. Uh, you want to talk to Benji Marshall? Sure, I'll put him on in three weeks. Um, yeah. I, I was just And then when we were in camp, I was incredibly busy myself. And uh, I saw all over the place, and, and I, I did it myself. I was turning down good opportunities because I physically couldn't be present with my phone to hand it over. And I thought, that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Now, there's a, 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 a journalist wanting to do a story. There's an athlete happy to speak. The athlete has a handset. Uh, kind of everyone's ready to get on with us, and it's not happening because I physically can't be there. That's a stupid, stupid reason for an interview not to happen. And yeah. so,
1: what can it, we do? Especially in, them? especially in the age of um of that fan engagement, people expect access. They expect, they yeah, they expect access. They expect to be able to get to their athletes, to their star, to their favorite person. Um, and if that's traditional media through a journalist interview, um, or also the option is around, um, I guess, direct access. So um, that would be, yeah, is, is that another, like in terms of applications and, and ways it's been used, is that something else that you can do? Like, could I, what's your stop? Like a fan just going, hey, I, I wanna talk to whoever, XYZ, I'd love to chat to them. Um, is that something that you've done? I, I think I saw something with, um, it was one of the rugby teams and, and like, uh, young fans, like beyond yeah, have kind of talked directly to them.
0: The, the technology can be used for any two human beings to, to, um, have a conversation. And, uh, there's a bunch of ways it's, so the, the, the media use case, let say Tom, to, to jump back the, the, audio media use case was kind of the starting point because this was quite a few years ago this was bouncing around in my head I was and, and
1: I'll I'll jump back to that as well how you did kind of start your entrepreneurial journey but I, I'd love to hear the how it's grown since that audio use case
0: yeah well i mean just now uh so the videos come out and people are going, hey, this isn't just about access and privacy, this is a whole lot about content. And so we've recently started working with our first direct media customers who are just wanting to use, just use the system like you and I are now to, to generate content, to um, more easily capture video content than they've ever been able to. But the, the really progressive clubs are going, okay, hang on, this is a tool that we can use in our fan engagement department. We, uh, we did something the other day with one of the NBL teams, the, the Breakers uh, from New Zealand, speaking with an 11-year-old kid who was playing a, a curtain raiser before their game. So they got one of the big boys to, to talk with, with one of the young fellas and then uh, you know, use that to, to drive some things in, in social media. Uh, clubs are using it now to, li- to liaise directly with sponsors. And the cool stuff that I get excited when people are doing things that are unrelated to what you know we were thinking about back in back in the early days. But uh, Cardiff City FC, one of our clients, they did a great video recently, which was just some of their own players talking with each other. So Sol Bamba was injured uh, back in Cardiff, and a couple of the other boys, including the captain Sean Morrison, were on tour in the States, and they got Sean and Joe Rawls to to ring uh, Sol Bamba. And just have a beautiful conversation between some great mates and uh, you know, speaking with Mark Denham, the, the head of communications at Cardiff City, he was like, I don't think people are used to seeing the interaction between our players. Mm. And and I was like, Yeah, there's something really significant there because the fans loved it and were like, hey, this is great to see the the banter between the boys. Mm. I presented to uh Premiership Rugby recently The all the clubs in, in the UK. And we were talking there a lot about, like, I think it, it's kind of crazy in sport that the teams seem to be only financially motivated to promote their home games in a whole lot of leagues.
1: Ah, uh, so, Yes, yes, we've talked about like, this. So I think the uh, example yeah. that we talked about was the um, the AFL, that it's, it's in terms of you have a home game, you get ticket revenue in through the door for that. That's your home game. Therefore, if you're the visiting club, why on earth would I spend my – already tight budget I'm promoting a you know a game where the upside so to speak is from the ticket revenue for the other team
0: yeah but it's a it's a crazy scenario as a as a league uh, I would say to have your teams promoting half of their games and that's the scenario that a whole lot of leagues are finding themselves in I'll, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut for half the matches and then yell and scream for the other half in terms of promotion. And uh, the idea we were floating around there was uh, with Premiership Rugby, wouldn't it be great if you could have players from rival teams doing video calls ahead of matches, uh, probably multiple days, but especially guys if they've played together in, in, uh, in the international team or junior teams or previously at the same club.
1: But, yeah, or, or college. Yeah. I mean, US sports um, play together at college and then they've gone to different teams. It's, yeah. They're obviously still going to be friends, mates. They can they can get along with, build a bit of, bit of hype and hype up that rivalry.
0: But if you look at the sort of evolution of how storytelling has been done within professional sport, it, it had been kind of stories only got out if they were athlete speaking to uh, mainstream media representative going back a number of years uh, and then the media um, uh, split into a number of different groups. It wasn't just sort of, you know, the, the big bulky BBCs or ABCs and so forth. You know, a number of, of splinter sort of organisations started up and so a few more diverse kind of stories uh, starting getting told. And then clubs worked out that they were their own media channel as well, and so often you had the communications person or the, you know, the internal team. Uh, speaking with the athletes and so forth but i think we're absolutely just scratching the surface and obviously the the players tribune and uh you know the athletic and uh athletes voice and things have come in and said hey let's let's get some uh first person or assisted first person storytelling done but i think you're going to see uh stories that are between athlete to athlete and former great of a club to person making their debut and uh Kid ringing up his mum to let them know that you know they've made the squad, and five-year-old in a treehouse talking to you know Premier Premier League uh, coach manager, you know, and all, all that stuff. So I, I said to someone the other day, as when I look at it, it looks like communications has kind of been on railroad tracks and i think we're about to go off-roading you know there's going to be all sorts of different ways that this stuff is done and uh, i think we'll look back and go i didn't realize how conservative we were mm. uh, earlier but what why wouldn't you have a a fan ringing up a an athlete to dissect the game and sharing that on behalf of all the other season members and
1: which um, is the most the the univi- yeah sorry universal um unifying sense of sport it is that it is still still people. It's why we we still love. And as you said, I think the point around um storytelling in sports is it's it's about the narrative. We get sucked in by the history the. The characters, the the story that runs through, and and as you said, it's it's about capturing that. All that stuff's happening anyway. Like it's kind of to a certain extent, um, it's just out there. It's just kind of in the wild, and it's going. Well, how do we then capture that in a safe way that respects privacy? It um, it's efficient, so it doesn't get in in people's way. I mean, the whole thing is is that's something I hammer home about tech, whether it's um, performance or business side is. Don't get in the way of the athlete. Let them do what they're what they're meant to do. Um, but something like this certainly sounds like it. Um, it makes people's lives a lot easier to to capture all that, like both the structure and then this, I guess, the safety blanket in the sense of um, uh, the privacy concerns and everything else we talked about.
0: Yeah, and we weren't, you know, coming in initially with the how can we make it far easier for fans to talk to athletes. But well, I mean, stop,
1: there, you, there you go
0: you where... make communication really easy then it can happen between any parties you know that's the what what are the reasons that people wouldn't speak why why wouldn't um uh, why wouldn't stephen Gerrard speak with a liverpool fan uh, a couple of times a season uh, because because giving stephen Gerrard's personal number to a liverpool fan and you know it would be a a tempting fate Mm. but if he knew it was just a 10 minute sort of thing that he could do through his own handset and it could you know really anyway you know or or,
1: yeah and yeah i mean the the um the the one that i always like seeing is um i mean it's probably the most extreme example but um sick kids that are in hospital and they may may not be able to get out but they're huge fans whatever it is they're huge fans of the athlete and um being able to connect with that athlete short of them coming to the hospital and especially with the globalized nature of of sports and fandom um if you are a english premier league fan but maybe you're in the u.s or you know wherever wherever else you're obviously never going to get to a game so being able to then still connect with that that player um just means the world to people
0: yeah and no, i think i'm a little bit of a purist or, or um, romantic when it comes to communications. There's a lot of communication going on at the moment that is one to many or many to many. And I still think the, the best communication in the world is it's one to one. But if you can make beautiful one to one interactions happen and then be able to share them uh, with the masses, I think you reveal a lot more about the, the parties involved in that conversation. And... Uh, know i definitely i speak with a lot of clubs and and you know some of the the had the pleasure of working with some of the leading clubs in the world they're all trying to unlock the sort of fan piece and the 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 global stadium and so forth and and i think one of the ways to do that is to arrange one-on-one beautiful conversations that everybody can share in so um i'm personally having a, a hundred and 50 people in a chat room firing one liners at someone to quickly answer has its place. Um, but I don't think that really lets you know a whole, whole lot about mm. who that is and, and what's going on. Probably see how they respond under pressure, but maybe not a lot more.
1: Yeah. And jumping back to, as you said, you, you never thought, like you, you were working in this, and so obviously you, you saw a need and you filled it with the company. But can you share a little bit about that kind of entrepreneurial journey? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that either are working in sports or are kind of looking to get into to sports um, in the technology side. How did you basically go out? How, how did you start up the startup, essentially?
0: Yeah. Initially, I. Uh, t- just let frustration boil over i came back from that 2013 world cup and i had done every call for a seven week road trip on my own phone and that's um you know I, I had some pretty fortuitous circumstances i'd say uh working in new zealand is a very good place to think of a remote access uh, tool because you you need to provide a lot of remote access having the highest profile athlete in, in uh in your part of the world drop into your team was another you know thing that put my processes under the under the blowtorch and i i came up short with what i had uh and so you know the the initial seed of blinder just came out of immense frustration that i i wanted to do a better job uh and so i chatted with a number of other people around the track.
1: So sorry mate the odd sneeze so apologies All for right. listeners blown anyone's eardrums the, sorry um, you were saying yeah. being in the um being kind of on the other side of the world and then um remote access and and obviously the a uh, big tournament like the world cup
0: yeah you, you just got got the got heat put on and uh and i went out afterwards and was like hey how how are you guys doing it because i really struggled with this and people were oh it's not really ideal but i i just give out their personal numbers or yeah no we don't really do phone interviews anymore it's too much of a pain and uh i thought hey we we can do it better so i sat down when i came back from the world cup and uh and had a, a heart a heart with a, a good mate of mine who'd done some um, impressive stuff in business the guy ross mcconnell who's the the other founder of blinder and uh we started tinkering tinkering away on on you know big sheets of cardboard and so forth in uh in my lounge room in auckland uh and going hey how do we think we we solve this? And uh, as I said, I wasn't from a big entrepreneurial background. I was just a frustrated communications person. Uh, and and Ross pulled in uh, some real high flyers uh, from a technical point of view. A company called ClearPoint in Auckland, and we just got some good brains together and and uh, and started tapping away at at how we could do this. And then. I always have a, a immense respect for the early adopters in, uh, with new, new technology. And because, you know, if you come out with something and people give you a universal who cares, um, you, you don't last very long. And we had the, the great fortune early in our um, journey to uh, meet up with Patrick Keane, who was the head of communications at the time for the AFL, um, for people listening overseas, the Australian Football League, the most popular sport, I'd say, in Australia.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's the platypus of sports is how I describe it to anyone. You know, it's yeah. a, like a duck bell. Uh, it's marsupial that lays eggs. It's got a poisonous spur and it's like very rare. And then the rest of the body, like, who knows? Like when they first, there's a little anecdote. Sorry, this is, this, is, this is just a proud Australian. I love the platypus. So there you go. This is like an Aussie. You can talk about the kiwi bird if you want. For anyone that's a that's like a small flightless bird that looks like an avocado so that's the key word. useless no the platypus um when they first uh this is kind of in the days of um white Sodom, when they brought it back to um the uk the person that brought it back the the botanist thought they thought he'd basically frankenstein monstered this animal and he almost got kicked out of the Royal Society because they were like, That's ridiculous. You've just kind of stitched together all these parts. Um, that doesn't exist. And Footy, AFL, is is exactly like that. So for the Southern States of Australia, everyone loves it. But if you ever see footage of it, makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. But it's a it's a great game. So sorry, pause that plug, but as you said, Patrick Keane, head of head of That's comms crazy. for the he had a
0: for the AFL, uh, he'd worked previously as the head of communications for the Australian cricket team, uh, working closely with uh, Shane Warne, a pretty pretty key guy in Patrick's past, which meant Patrick understood the challenges of mobile phones uh, via his association with Shane. And uh, again, when we...
1: the international list Shane Warne was a, a bit of a character, like air quotes, bit of a character for. Um, for cricket, um, another bizarre sport. Um, but I'm trying to think of a, a US or a UK equivalent. But um, it, put it this way: the only thing I know that Shane was up to lately is that he's dating Liz Hurley, the, the actress. He was he was his own individual. Um, so I can imagine being a comms manager for him would be <laughs> would be stressful. Uh,
0: be yeah, be challenging enough that. Patrick Keane quite liked the idea of blinder when he heard yep. it, and he be able to make uh, uh, so he basically just said hey show it to us and uh, and we showed it to him and he said the AFL you know thinks this is a great idea and uh, you know we'll we'll be supportive can you come back and talk to the clubs and uh, Emirates Team New Zealand who went on to win sailings America's Cup said yeah we really like the sound of that we're, we're, we're in the New Zealand Rugby Union you know, gave very good signals and started working with us as well so Pretty quickly, you had some very significant sporting bodies in this part of the world that um, went, you guys are on to something. And, uh, you know, as it is with technology, you roll out your first pieces and people start feeding in, you know, I wish it would do this, I wish it would do that. We had our own sort of uh, roadmap of where we wanted it to go. We, we, I think, you know, one thing um, I'd pat, pat our company on the back for is the way we've listened to, to those who've worked with us. And you know, a number of those very first customers have become dear friends I'd say that uh, have feel that feel and feel correctly that they've played a really significant part in our journey because they have you know they've said hey what about this what about that I wish it would do this and um,
1: so really listening to that that customer feedback and I guess did that make you shelve your own roadmap or like no no did 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 you have that and then it kind of just so that's the the roadmap running up that it kind of shifted you slightly or was it just thrown in the bin
0: yeah but no definitely not thrown in the bin um we had one uh what's the quick right to, to talk about this we had one a, a world leader so not a world leading athlete but a world leading political figure um uh, that was their people were, were interested in working with us in their request just started to deviate a little too far from where we wanted to go, uh, and we were building a product that was mostly for sports and entertainment, and and they were starting to uh, pull us in a direction that we didn't see was on our roadmap or likely to um, uh, likely to likely see us with features that that were welcomed by a large part of our customer base. So one of our you know, the, the you have to make some big calls all the time as as um as entrepreneurs and and we said to the you know people working with this world leader hey thank you for your suggestions but we're going to have to pull out of it uh and that you know felt uh the correct thing to do but it's also um when you're new and in business having significant figures like that wanting to work with you is something you don't want to push away too often. So you you, you thought about it long and hard before you made that move. But, uh, you know, it was the right call for us at, at that time and, and something the other party, you know, very much understood.
1: And that's something that uh, the advice, the, the constant and consistent advice is learn to say no as an entrepreneur. Um, and that's, that's easier said than done. It, it's kind of that. Um, when I first had that advice, I was like, Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that makes sense, like in terms of opportunities. But when it's a good opportunity and when you are starting out, there's going to be over that little hump of first getting something off the ground, then it just feels like it's it's kind of just going, it's about to uptick, it's, you know, up to the right, um, so to speak. But the hardest thing is saying no to good opportunities, just making sure they're the right opportunity.
0: You've got to, uh, you know you've got to be razor focused on what you're doing whilst also have your eyes open to uh, make sure that you aren't missing a a better opportunity or another opportunity out there. And that's very difficult to simultaneously be eyes wide open and, uh, you know, blinkers on and razor focused. Uh, You'll receive both those bits of advice from people, you know, make sure you've always got your eyes open. Just, get, you know, but, and so you want to get on and be really focused, but you need to know what the things are to really focus on. So we've. And is, of,
1: how, how do you do that? Is that customer feedback? Is that, uh say, a, an advisory board? What what do you think the best way to balance those two?
0: Uh, I don't know if I know the best way. I know what, what we did and it's probably replicated. There's going to be a bit of trial and error because you, I don't, think you can't, explore whilst only kicking goals you know you, you um, and so we started out fairly narrow in sport then we got interest from music we got interest from the healthcare system we got interest from politics we started adjusting our website to be a bit more neutral and uh, you know make sure any, anybody and everybody felt welcome and uh and eventually went hey we've got too far and wide here we need to, you know, we need to make sure that sports teams and and um, major record labels and so forth that are our uh, our predominant customer feel in the right place when they hit our website or when they see our material and so forth. And so we we kind of, yeah, started narrow, went wide, and came back in. And and you know, part of the result of coming back in. We got picked up by the Stadia Ventures Sports Technology Accelerator in the United States last year because they saw us as this, you know, very much a sports technology, but which had wider applications. But they saw that, you know, we were very focused on the market that they were focused on for starters.
1: Well, I mean, share a little bit of that experience. So Stadia Ventures, um, friend of the show, uh, they're doing great stuff. To my mind, they're the best um, sports tech accelerator in the in the world, really, um, based out of St. Louis, Missouri, and they do some um, activities in um, Frisco, um, Texas, which is uh, we held an event there a couple of months ago. So um, basically they're, yeah, I'll, I'll include some links, but they're doing some really, really good stuff. Um, been around for a few years. If you're in sports and technology, anywhere in that intersection, um, they'll have a look. And they're, they're very global in the way that they, seek companies i think out of the last cohort 75 percent was from out of the us so but uh share a little bit about that experience um i think you you kind of went to the us for a bit obviously you're in auckland now and then um i understand you moved to london sometime soon so i I guess a a two-parter share a little bit about the stadia ventures program and then also um going global kind of as a headline
0: yeah stadia was a uh Yeah, great um, step for us in that we'd achieve quite a lot within the Australasian sporting market, but uh, it's a fairly uh, slim slice of the world's um,
1: big big uh, fish possibly. in a small pond.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Stadia, I think, went hey, if those guys can start getting the penetration in the in North America and and in Europe with what they've achieved in Australasia, then this company's got. Some very um, exciting possibilities. We were uh, certainly helped. Uh, former NFL player uh, Roman Harper was in the audience. Was one of the um, people contributing their thoughts on our on the on the technology we built. And so,
1: sorry, just to just to clarify. So you were? Is this the pitch day? When was this? What's the what's the process? Like from no, yeah, the, going, was going the right point of like. The- yeah, how did you go, oh, Stadia, I've heard of these guys on the podcast. You know, hopefully there's a few people, entrepreneurs out there that have heard of them now and, and kind of apply. What was the the journey um, through that?
0: Mate, I'll give you the, 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 the real honest version. We uh, got selected in the top 20. Uh, they then chose their top 12, I believe. Uh, we were not in the top 12. Uh, we were um, sitting on the reserves bench in number 13. Uh, somebody dropped out. They asked us if we would like to come we said uh maybe the experience of being a little bit older in business we said uh we don't want to come unless you tell us why we were ranked 13th because we're not going to come and give you the same so
1: uh, uh,
0: presentation uh,
1: that got you not quite on the yeah you didn't want to default in so i guess that's that's uh the extension of the um the advice to to say no and learn when to say no. It's it's a yes but or it's a no but. I want more information on this. So, yeah, I mean, what was the feedback?
0: Oh, they they took that really well. Uh, I think part of it was around uh, how narrow or how broad is this opportunity, and uh, and we said, well, if if you think we've pitched it a bit narrow. We know we can go a whole lot broader, but we just, you know, we've we've suffered from looking like we're not focused enough previously. If we're, you know, speaking too far and wide, so uh, they they said we'd love you to come, and uh, and Ross went over and did that presentation, uh, did a great job, and uh, we sort of saw the voting feedback, which put us, you know, right right at the top of the the pile of of companies to come through, and we were chosen as one of five uh, to go through into the into the cohort at the end of last year, uh, spent a lot of last year in Frisco, um, we went over to St. Louis, uh, they brought in, you know, a whole variety of different people for us to, to work with, we uh, had a great team of mentors with us, uh, Mike Chafin, who's the uh, the business manager of the Rappanelli, was our, uh, our, our head mentor with, um, you know, their awareness that our product was equally applicable in, in music as in sport, but Uh, Yeah, we had some terrific people uh, around that, Uh, some who were helping run businesses for Mark Cuban, a guy Doug Turfer who was very central in in Yum Brands with uh, Pizza Huts and so forth. Uh, So we got some terrific American exposure, picked up a number of uh, clients within the NCAA. Started working with the United States women's soccer team. Uh, we, we actually hired a guy who was uh, ex-NCAA to come and work for us, who who had, uh, Jared Thompson, who'd uh, fallen in love with the technology. Uh, went on to start working with NFL teams. And, yeah, suddenly there was a fair bit going on in the States. And maybe with those um, wheels in motion, uh, my focus uh, changed back to Europe, where we went, hey, that's nice that we've got North America rolling now. Uh, and over uh, the the European summer this year, I've I've been uh, in the UK, and and we'll be heading back there uh, shortly on a more more permanent basis. But you no, know, we're working with a lot of interesting companies over there. With,
1: so was uh, that 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 state of your experience? Was that your first attempt to push beyond Australasia?
0: Like we've done a done a reasonable amount of it online, but uh, we hadn't. Um, When you're starting a product maybe that's a little bit of advice for other other founders you've got to get out and meet people and and let people see who you are and what you're about and maybe especially so if you're doing a product that's a bit privacy related and things like ours was um, people want to trust you and you know see that your intentions are good and uh, uh, so yeah the 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 push into the states last year was really the first concerted effort from us to go. Um, let's let's do this properly, and uh, and it's probably taught us a lot for going and and having a big crack in the in, in Europe, where um, early signs. You know, I've only been over there just recently, but um, the sports of Australasia uh, a little bit more recognisable in the in Europe and in, in the UK in particular, where rugby and rugby league and cricket and netball and we work with the Commonwealth Games Organising Committee. There's a lot of things that we do that don't translate overly well into the United States. And uh, uh, so it, it's, yeah, it's it's felt like we've um, uh, fallen into a, a fairly warm place over there where they kind of understand the magnitude of the companies we're already working with.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we share the same queen. So it's always, you know, it's a great conversation starting up with, with someone from England. That's yeah. a joke. That's a joke for anyone listening from the US. not not a thing. Um, well, that's that's great, man. That's that's something that we I know you pitched at our US um, event last year. Um, so, you know, mention them that much on the show. But we we run a series of global sports tech conferences, and you were uh, we we run a, um, a startup pitch competition. And you were the the winners last year. Pitching obviously all your success since. And before has been traced to that one defining moment. Um, so you're welcome, uh, but you. it's been it's been great to follow your journey and, and kind of excited to see see you grow more and, and and as the company expands overseas and comes over here to London, um, yeah, excited to see what you do and and uh, kind of stay in touch.
0: Mate, yeah, the the sort of latest news, uh, you know, the, the video pieces. Is- is changing again what, what's going on and, and we've recently signed our first media customers just directly who just want to use the technology to to let uh, let two parties speak. So we did a trial with NZME, which owns the New Zealand Herald and Radio Sport and things in New Zealand, over the Rugby World Cup and they used the technology to speak with all sorts of superstars of world rugby to um, Steve Thompson who played for England or David Campbell from Ireland or... Jonathan Kaplan, the South African referee, and Joel Stransky had kicked an annoying drop goal for South Africa in a 1995 World Cup final, and the Blacks were supposed to comfortably won. Not that, uh, not
1: that you remember that, or or you're better in any way. <laughs> uh,
0: Jonathan Davies, the you know the the legendary Welsh player, so they've been using it just to um, yeah, just capture content, and uh, and the media becoming a direct client is quite a fascinating development for us because initially we were kind of the kind of the pricks maybe in the eyes of the media you know we were the guys who stopped people getting people's phone numbers i think is how we were probably unfortunately filed in uh in in the eyes of 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 some people you know there's and, that
1: and was that a bit of uh we've always done it this way we'll change that's scary like being a true disruptor is that something yeah. that you had to push through
0: yeah uh i'd, I'd I mean, I know a lot of the media in New Zealand and and they would say, hey, your, your name isn't totally uh, warmly received uh, uh, around here at the moment because you're being perceived as the person who is uh, stifling things by stopping us getting, you know, um, Israel Folau's wife's phone number. I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can, I'll take that because I don't think it's right. Yeah, uh, and But um, now the media are coming around because we'd always seen that what we were building they would eventually be very impressed with they were just going to be a little bit agitated at the start and so uh to see the media um yeah embracing the technology because it allows them to capture more content and get more stories told that's been a kind of beautiful development for us
1: so would that be another kind of learning on the uh entrepreneurial journey that basically if you are truly disrupting Something that there's going to be people that, that don't like you or um, are, uh, are ruffling a few feathers, so to speak. Um, if, you've got to not, persevere with that.
0: If you're not pissing someone off, you're probably not disrupting. So, um, yeah, we, we just had had to wear it, and I mean, look, there's far worse situations for people to face than uh, you know a few members of the media thinking that that you were. Uh, yeah, but a bit of a um, yeah that you were that you were slowing things down but I think now they see that we're probably actually a lifeblood for them because how things were operating wasn't going to be how it would continue to operate
1: it wasn't sustainable
0: yeah no, 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 it was gonna see athletes just completely withdraw from talking to them full stop you know and uh, and they can see now that we're a really, well, I hope they can see a, a really decent, respectable um, means of getting access and getting content, and you know, letting us all get on with things.
1: Great. All right, mate. Well, I, I think we might wrap it there. There's, I could yeah. talk to you all day, and, and we do so over a, over a beer. But uh, is we'll put kind of your LinkedIn details into the into the show notes. So if anyone wants to reach out either a customer or, or maybe a, a entrepreneur as well, they can they can do that there. Um, but thanks so much for the chatting with us today and also providing Blinder, which I've got to say has been a seamless experience. Um, I'm not getting paid. Um, if you want to throw some stock options my way, I'm, I'm happy to receive it. But uh, as an international brand ab- ambassador, uh, but it's been great to actually to, to experience it and, and see how it works. And as I said, follow your journey. So best of luck in the future, mate.
0: Thank you, and thanks for the support uh, yourself and the and your crew uh, at Romero have, have provided with the the Sports Tech World Series. And, uh, you know, John has been a uh, supportive party in, in what we've been doing, and, uh, you know, it's we all need people encouraging us on the journey, and you guys have done that, you know, for us and, uh, and a whole lot of others. So uh, th- thanks back your way as well. Great to hear. See you, Tom.
2: That was Kaylee Wilson from Blinder. So as I said, really interesting uh, discussion around Kaylee's own journey into entrepreneurship and and starting a sports technology startup. I'll be sure to include some uh, links to Stadia Ventures. As I said, to my mind, one of the best sports technology accelerators anywhere in the world. So if you have a sports technology startup or, or scale up that's interested in taking the next step, then I'd encourage you to apply to one of their cohorts. Also include the link to the Sports Tech World Series Game Changers Pitch Competition and hopefully we could be featuring you on the podcast one day as you go along. So next week we've got Peter Holm, uh, co-founder of Tonsa, really interesting uh, sports technology startup focusing on athlete scouting. So basically scouting athletes that have slipped through the cracks, so to speak, and haven't been picked up in the academy system, but then also using social interaction and peer approval and engagement with that 13 to 19-year-old segment. So very much the Gen Z, the younger generation. So we have a good chat about our fan engagement in that area. So fairly wide-ranging discussion. Definitely something worth tuning into. So hopefully see you next week. And if you have any uh, feedback at all, as always, thomas at Sportstechfeed.com, or you can also find me on LinkedIn and Sportstechfeed.com is for show notes so thanks once again looking forward to seeing you next week bye